0: Let's get into the video. Step number one, ask yourself, how did I feel the last two times I left this person's company? Have you ever had someone in your life, whether they're a romantic interest or a friend, where on paper you had a friendship or you had a romance? On paper, it should have been good, but every time you met up with that person, you left feeling depleted. You left feeling insecure, or drained, or judged, or just worse about yourself. And maybe you couldn't even put your finger on why. But there was- okay,
1: this is already nuts, right? Like, again, so if a guy judges a girl, like, it's bad, and so on, right? But anyway, that's, that's, what, he, that's what Matthew is saying. And obviously, it's nuts, um, because being judgmental is all we have. Right, if the girl is a disaster and you're not judging her, you're gonna get destroyed. So, anyway, th- this is this is what bothers me about like the the idea of don't judge me. Well, if you don't if you don't want to be judged, then don't act like the kind of person that should be judged. Right? Okay. Anyway, and uh, yeah. So what? Uh, if he's not being like a dancing clown for you, and you felt emotionally quote unquote drained then, uh, then, yeah, like, do you see what I'm saying? It's like crazy, um, burden of performance without consideration of what you need to bring to the, to the table effectively.
0: was something about this person's energy that didn't fill you up. It took from you. The truth is that sometimes we feel these things and we don't even tap into that. We, we, we don't tune into ourselves and realize that this is how this person makes us feel. And so, We sort of unconsciously get into a pattern of saying yes. The next time they ask us to hang out, we go, yeah, sure. Because on paper, it seems good. But we haven't checked in with ourselves and asked, how do I feel every time I see this person? This is the test I want you to do. Ask yourself, how did I feel the last two times I left this person's company? and if
1: So again, guys, it's all about feelings, right? It's not about logic. It's how did I feel? feel, right? This esoteric feel. Like, again, logically is, is how we should judge stuff, not based on our feelings, because our feelings are changeable and move from moment to moment, right? So again, this is this is why they say that you as a man, you should cultivate your ability to be mysterious and, you know, um, be good at triggering different emotions, um, because girls just respond to that sort of thing.
0: Right? Anyway. If you don't know, fine, see them one more time. But after that, really conscious and during the time you're with them, really consciously think about how do I feel in this person's presence? How do I feel when I leave? And if the answer is I don't feel good, I feel anxious, I feel it's taken something from me. I feel
1: Again, this idea that, you know, girls don't like to feel negative emotions is utterly ridiculous. Like, dread and anxiety is what makes women fall in love. So I don't even know what Matthew's talking about here. Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. Here for another reaction video. If you're liking the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all the notifications. Um, if you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. Patreon.com slash the blog. Uh, newly revamped posting weekly content. Patreon.com slash the blog. You can also drop me a donation. Uh, link is in the description. Look at Adrian R. Look at Tom M. Shoutouts to them. You could be on the list as well.
0: The worse off, they only ever leave me worse than they found me. Then it's time to start saying no to that person.
1: Right, so what's the idea? If he's not providing me with value, then I say no, right? What have you done for me lately is is the idea. Again, Matthew just tells girls what they want to hear, and he monetizes off that. Genius idea, by the way. If you want to make a lot of money, that's what you do. You just lie to women or tell them what they want to hear and uh, they'll they'll throw all the money in the
0: world at you so that you can say yes to the unknown step number two resolve to play the long game in love not the short game that's smart but i want you to recognize that our unwillingness to say no to what is within reach is a reflection of in in large part of our fear of being alone we are scared that if we say no to this, it's almost like, what else would I do? There's nothing else going on right now. Right, so now you would think that Matthew is talking to all women, but he's
1: not. With this comment, he's actually talking to post-war women, to women that are 35 plus who have very little options, right? He's talking to them with this comment, right? Where he says, what else would I do? Well, what you should have done, girls, is when you're 18 to 23, is gotten married and had, had children right? So Matthew is totally right that you should play the long game. But you should play the long game at 18 years old, not at 35.
0: almost easier, isn't it? If three people are asking you if you want to do something tonight, and two of them are dates that you don't really enjoy being around, and one of them is someone you're really excited with, you can say yes to the one you're really excited with. But if one person asks us to do something this week, even if it's not right for us, we're in danger of saying yes because... Nothing seems worse. But nothing
1: That's right. Um that actually describes women's experience when they're post war, when they're no longer able to get the attention they used to get. That is a common occurrence. That's a daily occurrence, weekly occurrence, monthly occurrence for girls in that phase. This is why girls, if you're listening to this channel, you need to avoid that at all costs. You don't you don't get 18 to 23 your whole life. You get 18 to 23 for five years. And then you get, you know, 26 to 28 for three more years so for eight years of prime fertility of prime attention after that it's done and it's never coming back you waste those years your life is literally over if you want to get a high value man you will never have the same opportunity again so you got to be wise with how you invest that time
0: thing isn't worse I want you to think in your love life from now on in terms of the long game that I am playing a long game here of finding something that is right for me, finding something truly fulfilling, building something that is stable and very good advice and can endure the test of time.
1: This actually is very good advice. What Matthew's saying here. This is what women need to hear at the age of 14. Like... Not you're strong and independent, you can do whatever you want, Cardi B garbage. Women shouldn't be hearing that, they should be hearing this advice that Matthew just gave. I am playing the long game. I want to build a relationship that lasts. I want to have children in a happy family, in a stable marriage. That's what they should be thinking. From the age of 14 years old. Not from the age of 35. That's the problem. The problem is, girls at 14 are taught oh, you have time, you can be a strong independent career girl, you can be a boss bee, you can do whatever you want, and the guy will be waiting at the end of the rainbow. He won't. That guy at the end of the rainbow is nothing compared to the options you have at 18 to 23. So girls at 14 should be taught exactly the strategy and follow the strategy. Otherwise, they end up long-term miserable. Who cares if they have Chad for two weeks if they don't marry him? That's what I'm saying. And... Who cares if you can have Chad for two weeks, if you could marry a lesser Chad? That's the point. Because a girl at 18 to 23, maybe she can't marry Leonardo DiCaprio, but she can marry some B-list actor. Do you see what I'm saying? But girls nowadays, they're just into biting off more than they can chew. And so they destroy themselves in the long term. That's the problem. They don't listen to advice like this. They just go and destroy themselves. And then they want somebody, uh, they want a man to save them from the bad decisions at 35 plus. Well, too bad. Go back to your 20s where you left all the good men.
0: Oh, wait, you can't. Saying yes to things that take up our time, our energy, our focus is delaying us being able to find that. Being single isn't the time waster. Dating the wrong people, knowing. That they're the wrong people. That's the time waster.
1: That's right. And actually, it's even worse than this. It's even worse than wasting time. Because women pair bond very strongly early on in their bedroom fun careers. The first man that a girl has bedroom fun with, she's going to intensely pair bond with the guy. This is especially true if the guy is, you know, in her mind, superior to her. Right? And so... You can't waste that pair bonding potential on Chad, who's only going to stick around for two weeks, right? Or for a month or for three months. You can't waste it on him and then expect later on to get a guy better than him. It's not going to happen. You need to understand your level and marry your level at a young age so you can have children and a stable family.
0: That's what you need to be doing. And stay with that man that's a short game, right? The comfort game is a short game. I'm just going to go for this person because they're there. Oh, I'm just going to say yes to them this Friday because there's no one else in my life right now. So I may as well say yes until someone else comes along. That's the short game. But that's the right. The short game is slow. Yeah, it's it's stupid. The yeah, long it's, it's game right. is fast. That's right. That's and that's by right. the way, when we say, oh, I'm just going to do this until, even though it's not making me feel good, even though I don't really like these people that much, even though this person doesn't want the same thing as me. I'm just going to do it until someone better comes along. That is the fallacy. There is no until.
1: There is no until. No, absolutely. Great advice. Wow. First time that Matthew has given actual good advice. First time. There is no until. You are literally destroying yourself by making that choice. Literally destroying yourself. Because you pair bond with the wrong guy, you'll never be happy for the rest of your life. Got to be smart about these choices. Okay, uh, here, let's do an article by Ronald Tomasi. Uh, This is the myth of the good guy. For as often as I've made my best attempts to define what I believe constitutes feminine hypergamy on this blog, it seems that critics of the the RP and even newer well-meaning RP advocates are beginning to think of hypergamy as some convenient trope that Manisferians refer to when they want to explain away some annoyingly female trait. Is she um, shit-testing you? Must be hypergamy. Broken nail? Must be hypergamy. This is a very real want uh, for understanding things uh, in as simplistic a solution as possible. But feminine hypergamy isn't a dynamic that lends itself to a simple definition. One of the reasons the early proponents of PUA ran into issues with legitimizing the ideas was due to so many of their students seeking out easily digestible answers to solve their girl problems. As they laid out in Dream Girls and Children with Dynamite, these guys wanted the TLDR footnote version of what to do in order to get the silver bullet, magic formula part of the lesson, to either get with their dream girl or start sleeping with heart B words. It's exactly this mentality that's now causing such frustration in understanding hypergamy and seeing how it works, not just in individual women's personal decisions, but as a societally influencing force of the feminine imperative. Hypergamy is not a math-is-hard dynamic, but because it requires a comprehensive and evolving understanding, it seems like the go-to throwaway answer to women's behaviors and mental schemas to men, usually new to the RP, without the patience to really invest themselves into grasping it. I've defined hypergamy so often on this blog that if you search the term hypergamy in Google, rational male is the number two return below the Wikipedia definition. As I write my way through the second volume of the Rational Male book, I found that a concise understanding of feminine hypergamy is vital to grasping so much of the social and psychological dynamics that are as a result of it. Every PUA technique, every common frustration uh, M- M- uh, MG Toe's experience and every gender bias, social injustice MRA set themselves against all find their roots in feminine hypergamy, women's pluralistic bedroom front strategy, and the social and legal manifestation employed to ensure maximum feminine social primacy in optimizing this hypergamy. And it's uh, looks versus character. Over the course of the past five or so posts, the topic of discussion in the comment threads has eventually found its way back to the basics of looks versus character, or game, depending on your perspective of how learning affects character. Only discussions over what constitutes alpha in a, uh, are men so contentious over the, uh, the importance that women prioritize. I've already covered this debate and what I believe influences women's arousal priorities in looks count and have a look posts. My intent with today's post isn't to reheat these old debates, but to investigate a bit further into the connections between hypergamy and this arousal prioritization. First and foremost, it's important to understand that part of women's biology plays uh, the part that women's biology plays in influencing hypergamy, and how women's biology is more or less the point of origin for how they conduct their bedroom strategy. To review, I'll ask that readers refer to my post, "Your Friend Menstruation." But the basis of women's uh, bedroom fund pluralism is found in the natural attraction predisposition that women experience as a result of healthy ovulation. In her cycle, uh, in the proliferative phase of ovulation, women are psychologically and behaviorally uh, motivated to prioritize physical arousal above all other breeding considerations. In her down cycle, which is post uh, luteal phase, women are similarly motivated to prioritize comfort, rapport, and long-term security to ensure parental investment and to benefit survival. What I've described here in as brief a fashion is the foundation of ovulatory shift. There exists over a decade's worth of experimental psychology, psychological and biological evidence to support this theory. Due to biological and psychological influence, women become subliminally predisposed to behaviors which maximize fertility odds with the best available breeding opportunity and maximize the best potential for long-term provisioning and parental investment. Whether well, this behavior is manifested in a preference for more masculinized male faces and body type, greater ornamentation, and lower vocal intonation for women during ovulation, or a predisposition for more comforting, nurturing, and supportive male characteristics during the luteal phase, the end result is optimizing hypogamy and ultimately reproduction. Arousal versus Attraction Females only receive two quantities of evolutionary value from males – direct benefits, which is observed in long-term mating with implications for survival of offspring, and genetic benefits, observed through indications of physical attractiveness in her mate. And since females can receive genetic benefits outside of marriage, i.e. through casual bedroom fun, and no longer need to rely upon males for the survival of their offspring, there is no pressure for them to compromise on holding out for an unlikely long-term fantasy partner. The current social pattern increases highly... um, increases highly... Uh, The male variance in dating success. Because female bedroom fund choices always tend towards small male breeding populations, a narrow range of male phenotypes, while male preferences are inclusive of a broad range of females. I believe one of the main contentious uh, needles with this is that as described, modern conveniences of female social empowerment discounts the need for hypergamic assurances of long-term security. I'm not so willing to accept an overall disregard for the provisional aspect. You're not going to reprogram millennia of psychologically of their firmware overnight. But in discounting this need, the characteristics for which women would seek out a male exemplifying the best long term security are de emphasized, if not um, destroyed entirely. If you read through any woman's outline uh, of the dating profile, you undoubtedly come across some variation of what Royce has described as the 483 bullet point checklist of stated prerequisites a man must possess in order for her to consider him a a viable candidate for her intimacy. While I don't think there's quite that many items, you'll find a list of common theme personal qualities a guy has to have in order to be her boyfriend. Confident, humorous, kind, intelligent, creative, decisive, sensitive, respectful, spiritual, patient. I could go on or you could read a joke. The point is that all these characteristics uh, the women list as being attractive have absolutely no bearing on how bedroom fun, physically arousing a woman finds a man. As I've described in the past, while game and personality can certainly accentuate arousal, all of these esoteric personal qualities have no intrinsic um, value in terms of bedroom fun if a man isn't an arousal prospect to begin with. That's right.
0: And that's why you want to be the alpha and not the beta. While you're still doing this thing. The next person can't find you when you're wrapped up in something else. And think about it for a moment. Think of it logically. That Friday night that you're going to go and see that person, if you don't go and see that person this Friday, that's a Friday that's open. Now, that's... That's right.
1: And that's the point. If you're having a friends with benefits with Chad, you're just wasting your time and you're not going to get married, basically, is what Matthew's saying.
0: It's either a Friday that's open... For your own personal growth, which might be something you do at home. You might just do something that makes you feel good or something that makes you feel grounded and centered and conscious of your moves in life and what you do. Or you might These are just woo woo garbage things that Matthew's saying. Let's continue. I go out and meet someone else. So you might hang out with a friend and strengthen a relationship that leads you to more events and rooms and places where you could meet other people. But nothing can come from that Friday where you spend it with someone who's not right for you. Not only that, True. but by spending that Friday with that person, you've sort of satiated yourself just a little bit. You've like, you've taken that hunger away. I've now got some connection this week.
1: That's right. No, that's exactly right. Matthew is exactly right. Well, actually, it's it's not you're satiating it a little bit. You are full on developing the relationship, pair bonding with that man who's not even interested in you. So she's giving herself away, giving a piece of a soul to that guy. And he doesn't give a damn. To him, you're just, you know, Wednesday girl or whatever. You got to keep that in mind. Your strategy needs to be, I need to get married and have children by 23. Not uh, sleep around with Chad till 32 and then say, where have all the good men gone? That's 2023 dating strategy for girls, guys. Not for everyone, but you get what I'm saying. There are some smart girls out there still.
0: This week. So I don't feel driven to go find it somewhere True. else. Instead of saying to ourselves, I'm just gonna entertain this person until the right person comes along, we have to say the right person doesn't come along until I'm willing to give this up.
1: The right person Absolutely. And when he's saying giving it up, what he's saying is giving up sleeping with Chad. But actually you should give that up before you even start. At 18 years old, you should already know that the sleeping with chance strategy is wrong. It's dumb. It leads to terrible outcomes and misery. You should look at Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and all their trash lives, and Taylor Swift, and see what those choices lead to. And just not, and just say no to that, and be smart. That's like girls need to be taught this at 14 years old, not later. 14. Because if it's later, these girls might have already by 16 decided to make those bad choices. And it's already done at that point.
0: ...is a reward for letting go of the wrong person. Accurate. Step number three, when you do let go of what is current and comfortable, expect internal tension. It's scary to say no to something When it doesn't feel like there's a safety net right in a sense the people the friends that we already have or the lover that's in front of us the person that doesn't want the same thing as us but they're asking us out tonight that is the safety net and when you take away the safety net we feel like i'm completely vulnerable there is nothing else right now if there's a leap of faith required to even think that something else will be on the way while i say no to the only thing i have
1: that's right. Um, but for women, when you're 18 to 23, you get so many options and you get them so frequently. You could just go to the, you know, you just go buy a coffee and you're going to get talked to by guys. Like, so it's not really such a leap of faith, to be honest. They're just choosing Chad because he's the, the hottest guy that they can get, not realizing that Chad is not going to commit. You need a lesser Chad, so a superior man, but less than the absolute top of what you can possibly get. And you, you you don't settle for that because you could never get Chad anyway. So you have to be smart and understand, I could never get Chad anyway. I need to be strategic about my relationship choices so that I can have a stable, good family. I will never be able to lock down Chad like that.
0: But that risk, that's the risk that we have to be willing to take. Something better will come friends will come who are more aligned with who i am today. true a relationship will come that is the actual relationship that i am looking for if i do the work on myself if i stay open to something new and i apply the right strategy to actually moving forward on a different kind of path than the one i've been on that something better will come for me we all-
1: now here's the thing matthew is saying. I need to get off the path I've been on. No, girls should never go down that path in the first place because that's what's happening in 2023. These girls, they go and sleep with Chad and then they realize at 35, oh, I've made so many bad decisions. I'm a changed woman now. I found, you know, the Lord or whatever. Yeah, you needed to find the Lord at 18. Okay, anyway, uh, let's go to the Reddit post here. Uh, my 28 boyfriend, and she's 31, didn't get me anything for Valentine's Day, and then asked me about an open relationship. Yeah, look at the red flag. She's 31, and he's 28. It's already done, right? But let's let's see the, the train wreck here. I'd mentioned and asked for him to plan something a week ago. I've also mentioned to him multiple times in the four years we've been together, doesn't ever plan anything for my birthday, holidays, doesn't get me gifts, and how that's something that's really special and important to me. So, and you've you've been with him for four years, so it's very clear. You just have bedroom, for, yeah. I don't think you understand. You're not the girlfriend. He's just calling you the girlfriend and treating you like a friend's benefits. Anyway, I got him flowers and treats and snacks and he promised he'd make it up to me. So I said, all right, let's see what he does. Then this morning, he texted me while still in bed and I'm taking care of the kids. Can I ask you a hypothetical question? Is there a scenario where you'd consider being in an open relationship? He's asked this before. My answer is always no. I've told him repeatedly that if we're going to have a better bedroom fun relationship, which is pretty stale at this point. He has to put more effort into our relationship. He does the bare minimum on a good day. We constantly fight about chores, the kids, who gets more free time, bedroom fun, bad communication. I've asked for more for years. Basically, I'm just in complete and utter shock right now that he thought this was the time to ask me the question. After making me feel unimportant and like he can't put one second of effort into making me happy or showing he loves me, what would you? what would you all suggest doing in this scenario? So they have kids together even. So she gave him the greatest honor a woman can give a man, which is to have his children. And he's literally just Chad. He does nothing, and she does everything. Okay, let's look at the top comment. Three eighty one. What makes this relationship worth it to you? Besides that you have children together, just honest question before people give you advice. Since we only see the negatives you posted, lack of effort, arguing, open relationship suggestion. Uh, yeah. Fifty nine upvotes. I apologize in advance, but I think you need to hear some hard truth. The person below says you aren't a chump, but this this man, uh, but to this man you are. Uh, you say you've asked them literally hundreds of times of the same convos with no change. That is by definition acting like they're a chump. Stop letting this man, um, this man, chump you. You deserve to have so much better. I cannot fathom having such little respect for someone to ask them again, knowing you've said no to have an open relationship on Valentine's Day. He obviously is moving on and shopping around. I move on and do the same. Uh, Okay, another upvote, uh, another comment. Things are never going to improve. If I were in your shoes, my response to this question, is there a scenario where you would consider being in an open relationship? I would reply, hypothetically speaking, if I were in a relationship with someone who pulled their weight around the house and took care of the kids equally, someone who occasionally showed me their love by planning things or buying me gifts or holidays, someone prioritized me and is able to communicate with me in a respectful way, basically, I don't know, maybe in that situation I might consider it. Hypothetically speaking. But of course, I have no way of uh, real way of knowing as that isn't the relationship I'm in. By the way, this uh, answer here, that isn't what makes girls consider open relationships. It's only dread and superiority. Helping around the house and stuff, that's not something that women are aroused by. That's just a necessity thing. It doesn't make her more attracted to you. In fact, sometimes that sort of thing makes her less attracted to you. So anyway, Uh, we're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. Patreon.com slash blog. Just go there and subscribe. Again, it's newly revamped, posting weekly content. Patreon.com slash blog. If you'd like to support me also, uh, you could drop me a donation. Uh, Link is in the description. Adrian R., Tom M., shout-outs to you guys for donating. I really do appreciate it. Again, thanks guys for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the video, especially if you listen to the end. You guys are wonderful. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you next time.